her place of rest and peace, but standing among the esteemed guests of Lord and Lady Chadwith's seventeenth-century ivy-covered stone and glass atrium, she felt the arrow of doubt spear her heart. Three weeks before her wedding, and anxiety rumbled in her soul. She cut a glance toward her fiancé, King Nathaniel II of Brighton Kingdom, as he laughed with his old university mates. What in the world was she doing here? Surely Nathaniel had changed his mind about marrying her. Susanna breathed out, collected her fears, and shoved them aside as she tipped her face toward the bright rays of sun slicing through the glass-pane ceiling. After a long, bright winter, she was homesick for Georgia. You know you did, mate. We were there, eyewitnesses. Susanna tuned in to the conversation around her. No, no, you've got it all wrong, Nigel. Nathaniel's protest launched a jovial debate among his friends, an aristocratic group of eight who seemed to look to Nigel as their leader. Susanna smiled, rocking from one high-heeled foot to the other, exhaling. She had no idea what they were going on about, but lately Nathaniel seemed to have many things in his life that excluded her, which led to her feeling a bit like an outsider, even among her garden friends, the potted palms, hydrangeas, lilies, and royal maples. So, Susanna, how is every little thing? This from Winnie, Nigel's girlfriend. Every little thing is just fine. It was the bigger things that concerned her. He's changed his mind. Of course, it would be on par for her love life. Adam had changed his mind. Why not Nathaniel? I can't imagine all you're going through for this wedding, Winnie chortled. It's the wedding of the century. So they say, Susanna's legs wobbled a bit as she pushed her smile wider. First lesson in being a royal? Smile, be cordial, and stand a lot. Who knew royal life included so much standing and handshaking? Lots and lots of handshaking. And pulling out the hand sanitizer was considered ill form. Susanna had rallied the king's office to let her wear sneakers or flip-flops for long receiving lines, but the protocol officers flatly refused. Tell me, are you nervous? Winnie pressed her hand on Susanna's arm. A move she'd learned that was acceptable for family and close friends, but not others. I'd be a nervous wreck. The Liberty Press is reporting a tele-audience of over a billion. Susanna's smile faltered as a fresh wave of nerves washed ashore. Well, then, we're going to need a bigger cake. Winnie stared at her, then teehed. You're quite droll, Susanna. I like that in a woman. With that, Winnie returned to reminiscing with the men, and Susanna was back to feeling alone and aching for home, for warmth, for unobstructed sunlight, aching for her own folks with whom to reminisce. She'd not been to Georgia since her best friend Gracie's wedding last October. She'd finally said yes to her boyfriend, Ethan. But even then, it wasn't really like being home. Nathaniel couldn't get away, so Susanna traveled with a security officer and stayed in a hotel. She returned to Brighton, a North Sea Island gym, and enjoyed a lovely, mild October, only to have November descend with gray days and an early snow. For four long months, Susanna hibernated in palaces and castles, enduring the Brighton winter while being schooled on Brighton law, customs, traditions, and how to be the wife of a king. So today, as the sun crested the first pure blue, cloudless sky of March, she felt ready to burst with longing for South Georgia's heat and balmy breezes. She missed the wind in the live oaks and the jaunty sway of Spanish moss, the fragrance of Daddy's barbecue sauce simmering on the rib shack stovetops, the feel of a surfboard under her arm, and above all, 
the ability to move about town without a gaggle of photographers on her heels. She longed to hear Daddy's, Hello, kitten, and Mama's, Susanna Jean, need you to pull a shift at the shack. She missed hearing her baby sister, Avery's exuberance about everything. Susanna, Nigel leaned toward her, surely Nathaniel told you the story of the skiing bear. Nigel's laugh bent him backward, and he seemed more like a frivolous playboy than the CEO of his own shipping company. A skiing bear? She glanced at Nathaniel, who smiled, shaking his head and sipping from his champagne flute. He didn't care much for champagne, but he held a glass out of respect for his host and hostess. No, he didn't. It's an old story, love. He peeked at her, then away, down the wide aisle of the warm, bright atrium, toward the open doors. A fresh breeze sauntered in and rustled a few maple branches, spraying the atrium with the saline fragrance of the bay. I'd nearly forgotten all about it. Forgotten it?